So, looking back at Matthew, we finished out chapter 6 this morning. We'll start in chapter 7 uh, as Christ continues his teaching. Chapter 7 pretty much ends um, this first section of teaching as we talked about the inaugural teachings of Jesus Christ and these being the foundations for what we base our Christianity off of. Okay? When we say we are Christians and that we are living a Christian life, these are the core principles that make up the Christian life. And so, as we have been looking at that, that's kind of been our mindset. So, we finished out this morning talking from chapter 6 and talking about seeking the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. And he closed that section saying, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I always think that's also a very... Uh, profound statement it couples with that idea that he gives about can you add one cubit or one foot one measurement whatever to your stature if you think about it and worry about it enough can short people be taller and the answer is unfortunately no okay Uh, you can't think yourself into more height you can't think of yourself out of gray hair you can't think of yourself out of anything unfortunately it is what it is okay And so he says there's no sense in being anxious, worrying, uh, fretting over these things because they are what they are. And that goes into the, as he describes, the evil thereof. You know, he makes a point of talking about, you know, worrying about the things of tomorrow. Okay. Worrying about the future, worrying about those things. It doesn't change anything. Okay. And not only that, to do that, we are displaying a lack of faith in God, okay? We're saying we don't trust Him. We don't believe He knows what's coming up around the corner, and we don't believe that if He does know, He can't handle it, okay? And this is very much, you know, hearkening back to things like the children of Israel as they left from Egypt, and they get to the land of Canaan, and God says, go on in, I got it taken care of. And they say, well, let's send some spies, okay? And they send the spies, the spies come back, and two of them say, yep, let's go take it, God's with us. And the other one say, oh, no, 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 you don't know what's over there, the walled cities, the giants. There's no way that we, this small rabble of people, can handle this. And God said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll just go ahead and take care of this, and we'll try again in about 40 years, all right? So that is the same kind of display of lack of faith. I don't believe you can do it, God. Okay? I don't believe you can handle me financially. I don't believe you can provide for me in clothing and raiment. I don't believe that you're capable to do those things. Sounds like good platitudes. Really appreciate it being in your word. And maybe I'll put it on a coffee cup, but I really don't trust you to do these things. That's what we're saying when we don't follow through, when we worry about the things of tomorrow, when, again, it can't change anything. It doesn't make a difference. Our worrying about it won't help anything except cause us more heartache, trouble, and and problems. So he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be thinking about it in that way. Now, that's not a that's not a live or fly by the seat of your pants, just live life, you know, on edge or everything. It's not a, a condemnation of preparation, of planning, of, you know, financial, you know, planning and things like that. That's not what he's condemning. He's condemning the worrying about it. Okay. Where's my next meal coming from? How am I going to get this done? How am I going to handle that? Instead, he would say, seek God, trust God, put your hope and your trust in his provision and God will take care of you. 
So then he goes into chapter 7. And again, what's considered to be kind of a disjointed section of Scripture here, I think it's disjointed in one way and then it's not in another. And we're going to kind of talk about that. But he says in chapter 7, verse 1, "...judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgments you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet or what measure you measure..." It shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote or the splinter that is in thy brother's eye, but considered not the beam that is in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the splinter out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in your own? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly, and cast out the mote out of thy brother's Uh, So this very first section of Scripture, judge not that you be not judged, okay? Probably one of the most quoted Scriptures ever, okay? Out of all the wonderful Scriptures in the Bible, things that Jesus says, this is probably the most quoted by Christians and non-Christians alike, okay? Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not, judge not, judge not. That's what is quoted at you, okay? However, as we will look at this, that's really not what he's talking about, okay? So if we took this for face value and we didn't really evaluate it, really didn't look at the context and what he's talking about, you'd come away with saying, okay, so this is a judgment-free zone that Christ is establishing, okay? That you can never be told you're wrong. You can never be told that what you're doing is inaccurate or wrong. And that, as we said before, it's this all-inclusive, hand-holding thing where everybody feels accepted. There is no exclusivity. Um, You know, everyone's welcome. Well, in some cases, okay, uh, what he is describing here... um, is a is kind of a play off of the phrase that has been used over and over again that Christ uses and the apostles use about not taking someone on respect of persons. Okay, so it depends on what judging you are doing. Okay, and this is not like legal speak twisting it. This is just the context of what he's talking about. He is not here addressing um, that you should never call out evil. Okay, uh, He is not here addressing that judgment as a whole is wrong and erroneous and should never be done. Okay, So in this, number one, he calls someone a hypocrite. Well, that would be judging. All right. In this before this, he tells them, oh, ye of little faith. Well, that would be proclaiming a judgment. You're calling me faithless. So obviously... You know, and he judges on moral issues, he judges on idolatry, he judges... I mean, so obviously if Christ is doing it, he's being a hypocrite by telling us that we shouldn't judge because, you know, uh, he says don't judge, yet he has been judging and continues to judge, and I'm thankful that he is the righteous judge. But what is taken in context here is hypocrisy, okay? So the hypocrisy of judging someone in what would be considered a rash and kind of vindictive way, okay? So obviously we are called, especially as ministers and as people of God, I mean, you know, you're called to call out unrighteousness, okay? 
We are called to shine a light. And as Christ said, you know, when we shine that light, that it does separate the darkness from the light. That when you shine the light of the gospel, there is a clear delineation between what is right and what is wrong. Okay, Because whatever is in the light, in God's word, that is what is right, good, righteous, holy. Everything else is in darkness, unrighteousness, unholy. So, you know, we are called to do that. All right? We are called to call out wickedness. Right? You don't look and say, well, you know, people murdering people, but hey, let's not judge them. What are we going to say about it? I mean, what can I say about it? Well, you, you know, number one, when we're speaking in those ways, we're speaking from the authority and the judgment of the word of God. Okay. Now, if we were speaking on the authority and the judgment of Adam Kinsall, then yes, by all means, you have reason to doubt that. Okay. But we are judging based on the authority and the word of God. It is right. So when I hold things up to that, that judging is an acceptable thing. Okay, I'm not holding it up saying I'm the perfect one that you're judging off of. I'm holding up the word of God saying, no, God's word says this is wrong. Okay. So when we hold up about things like abortion or adultery or idolatry or those kind of things, when we hold them up, we don't go, well, you don't do this because Adam Kinsaw in his cultural philosophy thinks this. No, because that has about as much weight as any one of y'all's, okay? <laughs> I'll say some of y'all's has more weight probably than mine, but that's about as, as weighty as it is, okay? But when I hold up the word of God, the creator of the universe who said, this is how my creation will act then that's the judgment I'm going off of, okay? And that also holds me accountable as well because you can take that same word and look at me and go, well, let's judge you based off the word of God as well. Okay, well, bring it on. That's what, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. That is what I'm supposed to be judged by. And I'm to judge myself based off the word of God and say, how am I lining up with what Jesus Christ told me to do? So when they talk about this section of scripture in commentary or looking at it, they'll say, well, see, it just doesn't connect with the rest of it. Jesus here is teaching point by point, you know, and, you know, you just look at this stuff about not serving God and mammon and all this. And now we're talking about judging. How does that really tie in? And in a flow of thought, it doesn't tie together with what we were just talking about. Okay, so you don't like reach in here and go, well, how's the judgment playing in with the seeking of the kingdom of God and riches? And why is that in there like that? Well, these these two are not connecting on that point. However, I will say that they are all connected. This entire teaching is one continuous thought on the issues of the heart. Okay. Because what this judging that he is calling out here is a heart issue, a heart issue of hypocrisy, okay? And that's what he's talking about. He is not saying that, that all of us are inadequate and unable, okay, to ever make a judgment on a situation because of our own failings, okay? That's not what he's talking about here. He is not telling us that we are incapable of doing that because he is. we are operating off the word of God when we make judgment, or at least when we're making righteous judgment. Okay, We're operating off the word of God. We're not operating off of our own individual perceptions of things. So judgment is right. Judgment is acceptable. 
You wouldn't look at your children and say, well, I can't tell you that, you know, shooting the neighbor's dog is wrong because, hey, who am I to say what's right and wrong, you know? I mean, I've done things in my past, and so I'm just as guilty of, of, of anything as you are. So, I mean, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I can't tell you that's right or wrong, son. Well, no, anybody would look at it and go, you're a moron, okay? I can't tell you that playing out in the street is wrong. Because, I mean, look, I've done stupid stuff in my past. I used to jump off cliffs and skydive or whatever it is. I've done dumb things, okay? So if I've done that, who am I to say that what you're doing in playing in the road is wrong? So just tear off whatever you feel like doing, do. Now, what parent in their right mind would ever do that? No one. No parent would do that. Every parent is going to look at their child and say, it's wrong to play in the road, and my reasoning behind it is because you will die. Okay, And I love you, and I don't want you to die. So that is why I tell you it's wrong to play in the road. It's wrong to shoot your neighbor's dog because that is their property, that is their animal, that is an animal, and it's not right for you to shoot it. You do not get to make that life or death situation decision just on your whimsical what you think is right and what you think is wrong. There is a right and a wrong. And that's what we're judging this off of, okay? Whether it's the laws of the land, if you're talking about a natural sense, or as with our spiritual sense, we're talking about what God's Word says. So judgment is acceptable. What's unacceptable that he has here is someone who is of a wicked, hard, hypocritical heart who wants to lambast and rashly call out someone condemn them, judge them, place them in judgment, okay? When they themselves are just as guilty or more guilty, okay? So this is kind of what plays into the Pharisees, and they are a great example of this as you read through the Scripture and as Jesus kind of um, works with them and talks to them and condemns them. He'll use the same things. He'll even say, oh, you hypocrites, He'll say, you generation of vipers. He'll say things like, you tithe of mint and cumin and all these little minute things of the law, yet you fail the weightier matters of mercy and justice. So that's what he's talking about with hypocrisy. You teach others to do the law when you yourselves will not do them. Those are the hypocritical judgments that he calls out of the Pharisees. And they're the greatest example, I guess you could say, in this New Testament scripture for us. So the judgment that is in consideration here, even though it's wrongly applied a lot of times, most quoted but wrongly applied in the sense, well, you can't tell me I'm doing wrong. No, I can tell you what God's Word says you're doing is wrong. Okay. Now, if I was coming at you from a kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess when you look at politicians um, a lot of times, and certain politicians you know okay, are not square, okay? Um, they are not doing right, right? But for certain politicians to get up who you know are corrupt, all right, and then to like condemn and judge and lambast somebody else for corruption, that's where you get that whole pot calling the kettle black thing, okay? That's what you're getting to with this judging. You are a hypocrite if you do not self-judge before you try to judge someone else. Okay? Did we catch that? You are a hypocrite, and you are not following what God said to do if you do not self-judge before you try to judge someone else. 
That's what Christ is getting at with this. That's why he says, first look at the beam that is in your own eye before you go trying to pull the, the splinter out of your brother's eye. And you know he's not condemning judging as a whole because he tells them, first cast out the beam that is in your own eye and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. So he doesn't say the action in and of itself is wrong. He's saying, but when you're coming at it with the fact that you yourself are not willing to judge your own actions based on the word of God and take corrective measures, you are in no position to try to do that with somebody else. So there was a statement by one of the commentators on this section of scripture that I thought was really good where he says, he only is fit to be a reprover of others who jealously and severely judges himself. He only is fit to be a reprover of others who jealously and severely judges himself. I thought that was a great statement with this. That we are called, there's plenty of scriptures out of Titus and out of James and other places where we are called to help a brother or sister who is in error, okay? Who is going astray, who is not following after what God's word says. This would go into uh, like in Jude, where in Jude he says, you some you save by fire, threatening and scaring them, okay? And others you save by love. The whole idea is that the community of believers has a, has a requirement of God to look out after each other, to call each other out, and to help each other walk on that narrow path of righteousness. That's what we are called to do. But it is impossible for us to do that if we are not evaluating ourselves first. We have to realize where we are failing, where we need reproval, and where we need repentance, and where we need correction. And we have to be taking steps in that direction first before we can ever look at somebody else. So it still gets back to a heart issue. This heart issue is is that I have a prideful, wicked heart, and I don't think that I do anything wrong. And therefore, I can look at you and realize all the wrong stuff you're doing... And call you out on it. This is that, as you'd say, you got blinders on for yourself. I'm having, I can't see my own problems. And this can be a reality and it can be something that's, again, why it is important for communities of believers to interact with each other and be personable with each other. Because sometimes it takes people sitting around you to tell you, be like, hey, you've got this pitfall right here. Hey, you know, you really are, you're pretty doggone prideful. Okay, um, not trying to hurt your feelings, not trying to make you feel bad, but I mean, I just really see this kind of path you're walking on, and it's just not. It, it looks like it's going to end badly for you, and so I, 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 you know, praying for you. I'll help you. We'll talk about it if you want to, but I can see this not going well for you. I see this characteristic coming out in you. I see your anger issue. I see your uh, whatever issue. I see that, and I think that you you need to really evaluate and take some corrective steps here. Or else it's going to lead you to uh, to fall. It's going to lead you to stumble. It's going to lead you to getting hurt, hurt yourself, hurt your family, hurt your friends, hurt your neighbors, whatever. So it's important for that community of believers to be together because that's how we kind of check and balance each other. Okay. 
And it's also important for the recipient of those kind of corrections to have the right heart of humility and humbleness to realize that that person, hopefully, is doing it out of a heart of judgment that is for uh, closer walk with God, closer development, less judgmental in the sense of I'm a hypocrite judging versus I'm judging according to the word of God and I'm hoping that you will see this as a loving desire to see you get out of the road and out of the way of the truck. Okay, That should be our heart on both ends. But it takes self-evaluation first. Cast out that beam that is in your own eye or else you cannot help your brother. That's really what it's coming down to. And I think that's a very important thing to grab onto. You got to get this thing out of your life before you can ever help anyone else. So that's one of those things that's important for us to remember that we have a calling of God. We are ambassadors of God. We have gifts from God that, as he says in Ephesians, we are supposed to use those gifts for the edification of the body, for the growth of the body. If the toe isn't doing its job, we're off balance and we fall on our face. If the hand's not there, we have one less hand to lift with and do work for God. All of these things are for the purpose of edifying the body and glorifying Christ. And if we cannot perform our duties because we are obstructed by our own issues, then we cannot serve God fully like we're supposed to. If I can't get the beam out of my eye, I cannot see clearly to help the rest of the body. If I cannot get my life in check with Christ, then I cannot help the body. I'm useless. I'm a useless appendage. Okay? So you think about a portion of the body that has atrophied because of non-use or someone might have been uh, you know, either from an injury okay, or from a, um, from a surgical standpoint or from a genetic birth standpoint, bor- born with a limb that cannot do the work that that limb is expected to do, okay? then you are handicapped. If my arm is withered and I cannot, I don't have the muscle strength in it to lift, then I'm basically a one-armed person and I'm handicapped in that way. I cannot fully use both arms as God intended. So the same thing goes with us as far as our issues, okay, as far as the things that we have that we allow plague us, okay, those kind of things, they impede us and handicap us in our work and service for God. But when you're talking about it, it's not just on an individual's basis. It's not that this just limits me so I don't have the fullness of my joy. That is part of it. But that's always going to have kind of lateral consequences as well. So those are always going to affect the family, the friends, the neighbors, the other members of the body of Christ. You're not going to be able to serve fully. You're not going to be able to help fully. You're not going to be able to move and use your talents and your gifts that God's given you because you are obstructed. So what Christ says is say, be self-reflective. Look at yourself, evaluate your own issues, and either seek the help that is with your neighbors and brothers and sisters in Christ, and y'all help each other get the beams and the sticks and the splinters out of each other's eye, okay? But also that we need to be, again, seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these other things will be, can be worked out through that. Okay, So again, we fall back to that same thing of relying on Jesus Christ and his word 
to be the thing that we hold up as the example and as the thing that helps us evaluate and subsequently remove the issues within ourselves that obstruct us from fully serving out our calling here in the kingdom of God. So that is part of that seeking the kingdom. I cannot fully seek the kingdom if I'm obstructed by some kind of something that I've allowed to take root in my life. This is what Jesus talked about as, he was, as we were back in chapter 5. And he says, if that right hand offends you, cut it off. If that right eye offends you, pluck it out. He says, because it has consequences on the whole body. And the same thing goes with us in our walk as far as this goes. We cannot fully serve God as we should if we're letting ourselves be encumbered by these things. So I think it's important, and it's, again, you know, it's the most quoted, you know, I, I, and I, that's probably my statistical analysis. But I'm just telling you, you all probably have seen it from experience, too. It is the most quoted verse, the most quoted verse of the Bible. Over and over again, maybe besides Jesus wept, I guess it might be an easy one to say it was up there. But I mean, the most quoted verse of the Bible, judge not, judge not, judge not, judge not, with the implication that you can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Okay. So what I hope we grab by that is that Jesus never said, don't tell anybody what they're doing is wrong. Okay. Uh, I think if you fast forward and look at Acts and look at the apostles, I mean, Peter just gets up on a stage at a bunch of Jews and say, hey, guys, y'all killed Jesus. He was the Messiah. Um, you need to repent. All right. That would be pretty much judging the entire nation of Israel. OK, so Peter didn't get called out on that. So I think, you know, there's obviously that's not what Christ was teaching. Um, instead, what he was teaching is, number one, we hold up the word of God as our tool for judgment. And number two, that we always have to be jealously, fervently dedicated to evaluating and, and, and identifying and removing the issues in ourselves before we can ever enter in and help somebody else with theirs. So I hope these things have been beneficial this afternoon and we'll continue to look through this book.